0: It's such a joy to welcome you, and if it's your first time here, you know, again, uh, just following on from what Josh has uh, has said, it's just a delight to to see you here today, and I trust the service has has impacted you. You need to know that uh, people have been praying for you, people have been praying for you, because we believe that God wants to have a relationship with every one of us. It's not just a special person. God loves everyone. And so there's been people who've literally been praying for you, it may not be by name, but they've been praying for you that you'd be here and that you'd be touched by this service. I wonder if those who are part of this church, if you turn in your Bibles to Luke in chapter 24, and if you're a guest here this morning, don't worry, don't worry. you can still follow me because the verses are going to, be, going to be on the screen. And it reads, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared And they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living? Among the dead, he is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, whilst he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and then on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Hope is here today. It really is. Hope is in this place. But I wonder, on the back of this story, whether you can ever associate with this. Because just give me a, a hand in the air. If you've ever lost something, just wave to me if you've ever lost something. It, I have to confess, it's a bit of a running joke in our house because I, um, well, actually, it's Caroline who loses them, but uh, you know. <laughs> But but I often will lose my wallet and my keys and my mobile. Give me a wave if that's you. And often you'll hear me in the household shout at the top of my voice, Caroline, where have you put my wallet? And the response back is, it's your wallet. Wherever you put it last, it's there. Some of you ladies know what I'm talking about. And here we have a story of... A group of women who were followers of Jesus. And Jesus had died. And they'd laid him to rest in a tomb. And they went to the tomb because they wanted to, you know, see the body of Jesus. And whilst they were there, they realized that Jesus' body was lost. Or so they thought. Somebody had taken the body of Jesus And they had to be reminded that actually Jesus' body wasn't lost. It wasn't stolen. But the Bible records just as he said he would do, that he would rise from the grave. What happened there is he had the power to overcome death and sin and the grave. What was happening over that period from crucifixion to resurrection, the Bible records there was a wrestling. There was a wrestling In hell, there was a wrestling amongst the principalities and powers, and the Bible records that Jesus took the keys of death and of Hades of hell, and He overcame and He did that. So we can now have access and freedom and life in Jesus Christ. The body was not lost, the body was risen from the grave. He is not here, He is alive. There was an anthem song that was sung in churches around the world. We've not sung it this morning because it's got a little dated, but the relevance is still there. And it was written by a man by the name of Tim Hughes. And he says this It was the greatest day in history. Death is beaten. You have rescued me. Sing it out Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave, life eternal. You have won the day. Shout it out. Jesus is alive. He's alive. I want to say, guys, this was a game changer. Some of you will be watching the football this afternoon, hoping for your team to win. And if your team are not winning or they're losing, the coaches on the sidelines will try and bring a swap a player in and out who will ultimately, hopefully, will become the game changer. I want to say this is the game changer of all game changers because we were lost, we were broken, we were fearful, we were bound up. We had no hope in this world, but Jesus Christ came into the world and he changed the trajectory of, 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 of the world forever and ever and ever. He changed the courses of generations to come. Every generation has now been changed as a result of Jesus coming into the world, being born, living, dying and rising. Every generation can now be changed. It was truly A game changer. He is raised from the dead. It's resurrection power. That is what we declaring. And if it's your first time here today, my hope is that you will just connect. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you this morning. I've been praying for you whilst I've been in this building. That you would encounter, not my words, but you would encounter the love of God. That God's love would invade your heart today. The Bible records, because it follows on, that Jesus actually revealed himself to many, many people. That it's all in the Gospels. And the Gospels are in the New Testament. The Bible is written in two parts. The Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the New Testament, the first four books are the account, the narrative of Jesus' life. And you'll see all those accounts in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John that actually declares there that Jesus revealed himself to different people upon his resurrection. He met with people. He spoke with people. In fact, there's a book in the Bible called the book of Acts, which is the start of the the church, the early church, which we're part of. And it reads there that after his suffering, that's Jesus, Jesus presented himself to them. Who's them? The followers, the disciples. And he gave them many convincing proofs. That he was alive. Again, there's another verse that just states the fact that he is alive. And he appeared to them over a 40-day period. And he spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, before some of you throw back the argument, well, this is the Bible and you would say that. It's not just biblical accounts, but history records this happened. Religious textbooks dating back to the first century account to this Jesus and what I've just said to you to be true. This could be classed, categorized under amazing, unexplainable accounts. This was a, an amazing, unexplainable accounts. A miracle could be another phrase that we've, we would put at it. And some people would say, well, I'm not sure the miracles, I think the coincidences. I think it's luck. I think it's charm. Well, I actually believe that, that God is a God of miracles I still believe that God is doing miracles today. I know the fact that not everybody gets healed. Not everybody uh, is helped as we, should, as, we, as, as we think we should be. But I do honestly know that eternity will tell its own story of some reasons why. Uh, just as a side note, I've prayed for people to be healed and believe they'd be healed and they've died. But I've also prayed for people to be healed and they've lived and they're still living. And I still believe in miracles today. I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that God is at work in all of our lives. Whether you realize it, whether you recognize it or not. And this is one of those moments where people try and and just argue it away. But I want to say to you, it is a miracle. It is an amazing, unexplainable miracle account. There are miracles that God is working out in our lives. There are people in this church who can testify to miracles, great miracles, amazing, unexplainable things that have happened in their lives and through their lives. And you know, there's one particular story that my mind went to. And if you just allow me to go back to another generation. But some of you, because you know your history, would know there was a, 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 a missionary pioneer who went to Africa by the name of David Livingston. And David Livingston began his ministry there. And of course, the Africa that we now see is not the Africa that he went to. And there was many, many warlike tribes and as he was trying to reach out to them, there was one particular warlike tribe that said they were going to kill him and everyone in his party. And so one afternoon, David Livingston and those who were with him set up camp. But word was out there that these warriors had been tracking them all day. And they were actually outside the camp. And they were going to attack them and kill every one of them when it got dark. And these are the words of David Livingstone that he wrote in his journal that night on, note the date, January 14th, 1856. He wrote, It is evening. I feel much turmoil and fear in the prospect of having all my plans knocked on the head by savages who are just now outside the camp. Those who stood in his handwriting said you could even see the fear in the way that he wrote the letters. He wrote, but Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and on earth, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Livingston wrote, This is the word of a gentleman of most strict and sacred honor. So that's the end of my fear. I feel quiet and calm now. And it was noted that even his letters were straight now. They didn't attack that night. Later, The tribe was brought to faith in Christ. And a couple of years later, David Livingston asked the chief of this tribe, do you remember the night you were tracking my party? Yes, we had heard many rumors you were going to attack us. The chief said, that's right. We were ready to attack the camp that night and kill you and everyone else. David Livingston asked, then why didn't you attack and the chief responded, when we got close to the camp, we looked and we saw 47 warriors surrounding your camp with swords in their hands. And David Livingstone was baffled because they didn't have any guards and they didn't have any warriors. Later, when he was on leave, absence of leave in Scotland, he shared his story at a church that was supporting him. A man came up to him afterwards with his prayer journal. And he said, look, I wrote it down. January 14th, 1856. Was that the night? David Livingston said, yes. The man said, that night, a group of men came to pray for you. We prayed for your protection. I wrote it down. There were 47 men praying that night for you. The same amount of men, the same amount of warriors. The reason I say this is amazing, unexplainable accounts of God at work. Now, let me just say to you, as my time is drawing to a close, I'm recognized as a key word that needs to be just offered to you. And that is the word of faith. It takes faith to believe what I'm saying. It takes faith as we read this word. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. In a short while, there's going to be two people who are going to be going through the waters of baptism. They have come into saving faith. They have put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. I love this acrostic of faith, which means this, full assurance in trusting him. Full assurance in trusting him. See, faith is believing in something when common sense tells you not to. There are many people who've not blindly, stupidly, sillily put their trust in Jesus, but they have taken a step of faith if i had time i could recall accounts of the wonders and the the majesty and the power and the might of god in creation who do you think put all this together? Who do you think holds it all together? There are some people in our church who have a keen eye for astronomy. Who put the stars in the place? Who put the galaxies in place? Who holds it all together? It isn't just a figment of just a bang and, and just all... I want to tell, there, there is a creator God... There is a creator God who sits over it all, who knows it all and knows everything in this world. They were reporting that there could be life in other planets. I was pleased to say that at the end of it, they did say they have not not found any life on the other planets. Did you see the report of this week? But they're saying there could be. Well, of course, God's able to do whatever he wants to do. Of course, there are things that we're discovering and we're realizing we're seeing in this world. God put it all together together. But it takes a step of faith to put our trust in God. You see, this story is a faith story. Because it is amazing. It is unexplainable. How can somebody raise from the grave? But we're talking about the King of Glory. We're talking about the Creator of the universe. We're talking about God incarnate in man. God the Son here in the world expressing love. To a world that was devoid of hope. I just want to in these few moments. Because I've wrestled with this word. Because I knew there was something else that the Lord wanted to say. And I've just got to trust God with this. Because I could easily stop there. And you'll be glad to know I'm not going to go on now for another message. But there are some things I just want to say. Which I think are very important. You see Jesus died. And rose from the grave. And as I was reading these verses again this week, I felt that he was reaffirming four facts, four principles, four statements to the world, to those who will put their trust and faith in God. These are four things that you can go to the bank on. You can bet your life that if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus today, as I have done many, many years ago, these are four statements, principles, facts, that you can go to the bank on. So I wonder if we could just quickly go to Psalm 36, verse five and six again, they'll be on the screen. And I'm reading from a contemporary version on purpose because these are my points. It says this, God's love is meteoric. His loyalty, astronomic. His purpose, titanic. His verdicts, oceanic. And yet it goes on to say, Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. These are the four statements that I want to just say to you today. First of all, God's love is meteoric. This is why Jesus came. Because he wanted to express his meteoric love to the world. The Bible records as far as the east is from the west, and you try and measure that in universe, you can't. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, our sins from us. He takes them. There's another record of how Jesus takes our sins and hurls them into the depths of the sea. And then somebody once wrote, and then they put a sign there: "No fishing allowed." When he takes your sins. He takes them and he hurls them into the depths of the sea. The Bible records that nothing, listen to me ladies, listen, listen to me gentlemen, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can separate His love for you. No matter what you do, no matter how you behave, no matter what you speak, no matter what you say, nothing can separate God from, from, from His love towards you. You might not love Him... But he will keep loving you. I can remember having a conversation with a man who was very troubled in his mind. And I said, can I pray for you? And he says, no, you can't pray for me. I don't want anybody praying for me. And there was massive issues, you know, demonic issues over his life. And I just said to him, well, that's fine. I won't. But as soon as I put the phone down, you need to know I'm going to be praying for you. Because you can't stop my prayers. He, he hung up on me. It's like the love of God. We may say, I don't want the love of God. He'll keep pouring out his love on you because he can't help himself because his love is meteoric. He hates the sin of your life, but he loves you, the sinner. And listen to me, we're all sinners. I might have a nice suit on, well, I think it's nice. I might have combed my hair and had a shower this morning and put some deodorant and aftershave on and tried to make myself look presentable. But the bottom line is, outside of Christ, I'm a filthy sinner like the rest of us. Like the rest of us. So I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm pointing it straight back at me. Secondly, God's loyalty is astronomic. I love this because in a world that's devoid of loyalty. This is not a statement because I know people do move the jobs, but... People move the jobs, change jobs like I change underpants. It's just incredible. You may say, really? You only change them once a year, but no. (laughs) I thought I'd get in there before you said anything. You know, we change brands, we change companies, we change sports teams, And it's interesting that the law on the street, not in the church, but the law on the street is one of loyalty. They get it. And I want to tell you, God gets it too. Because God's loyalty is astronomic. That means extremely large. His loyalty towards you is astronomic. All I want to say because of time is this. God is fiercely loyal over your life. I know I'm speaking to some people this morning uh, because I know I need to say this. And it's a verse that you need to know. This is what the Bible says. God says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He is supremely, fiercely loyal. Some of you need to hear that this morning. He is so loyal to you. He loves you. He's committed to you. He cares for you. And thirdly, God's purpose is titanic. It says in Job 36 verse 5, God is mighty but despises no one. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. God has a purpose. His purpose was reconciliation. God's purpose is titanic. Don't think about the sinking ship, please. There's nothing sinking about God. God's purpose is titanic. He knew what he came to do. And the only thing I want to say to you, he came for reconciliation. He came to reconcile you back to himself. He came to provide a way for you to be able to have relationship and freedom and peace, completeness, wholeness with God. That was his sole purpose. And also that means then as we step into faith... That we then begin to get a purpose. I have to just again go on the back of what Josh said about growth track. That is why we're so committed to it. Because we want to help people to know God, find freedom and discover your purpose. As a slight digression, I still come across a lot of people who have no idea what they're meant to be doing on the earth. They're just existing. They go to work and they don't like the job and they don't like the life and they don't like what they're doing. There's more to life than that. And God has a purpose for every single one of you. And his plan is to prosper you and not to harm you. His plan is to give you a hope and a future. God's purpose over your life is titanic. It's not minuscule. It's large. Is anybody hearing me today? And lastly, God's verdicts are oceanic. When I talk about his verdicts, I'm talking about his decisions, his judgments. His judgments are just and deep. when he came and died, I want to say he put a verdict. Because the verdict should have been death for every single one of us. Every single one of us. That we should have got what we deserve. But his verdict was, no, I will send one who will pay the price for the guilty. The one who is perfect, the one who is sinless, he will pay the price for the guilty. And his verdict, as, as, as the hammer went down, it was done. His verdicts are oceanic. It says in Psalm 25 verse 8, God is fair and just and he corrects the misdirected and he sends them in the right direction. God's love is meteoric. God's loyalty is astronomic. God's purpose is titanic. And God's verdicts are oceanic. As you put your trust in God, as you take that step of faith, you can go to the bank on these four statements. Over. Your life. And as I finish, because there's another part to it that says this that God announces His might and His power and His strength for all to see. And yet, the writer here of this psalm says this: Yet, in His largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. Let me just say this to you. In the vastness of this universe in which we live, you, yes you sir, yes you young person, yes you who nobody notices in a room, I want you to know, in the sight of God you are known, you are seen, and you are heard. If I can say this, you are being watched. God has the ability, I don't get my head around it again, it's an amazing, unexplainable fact, but God is all seeing, all knowing. And nothing of of this world is lost before God. Not a flower that loses its petal or a bird that falls from the sky is lost on God. In his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse, falls, slips through the cracks. You may say the largeness of this world. It has to be said the crisis in Yemen, if you've been watching the news. Syria. The plight of children. The challenges in North Korea. The famines affecting whole nations. Nations at war. Political leaders making bold statements. The largeness. And yet, he sees all that, and yet he also sees the smallness of every lonely elderly person who shuts their door this afternoon to see nobody for days on end. The abandoned wife, the adopted and the fostered child, the confused young person, the dissatisfied professional, The drug addict, the alcoholic, the unemployed, the financially dependent and the financially broken. He sees it all because nothing slips through the cracks. I want to announce to you today, hope is here. Hope is here. God is vast, His power that raised Christ from the dead. But he's also available to every single one of us. Jesus has made a way for you to be reconciled back to God. And I wonder, just in these closing moments that I have for you, whether you just bow your heads for a moment. Hope is here. Hope is here. Hope is here for every single one of us, no matter where we have come from. And if you'd like me to pray for you today, because you would say, Christian, I want to be reconciled back to God. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. I'm far away from God. I have no peace in my heart. But there's an offer of a wonderful gift of salvation And you say, Christian, I want to receive that this morning. While every eye is closed and head is bowed. If you just simply raise your hand now. And I'm going to pray for you. Just raise your hand where you are now. You say, today I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you. Is there anybody else today? Anybody else today? Hands going up. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Yeah, thank you. Hands that are going up. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. Father, I thank you today for you are rich in mercy and love. And I simply ask and pray that as people are putting their trust and faith in you, Lord Jesus, that they would have truly a supernatural encounter with you you will draw close to each and every hand and every heart that's responded to you that people would today know that they are free from their sin and they have a new life in Jesus I pray Lord that the old would go and there would be a new life that comes I pray Lord that today they would know they have met with Jesus Thank you that you have broke down walls. Thank you that you are breaking fears. Thank you that you are breaking those walls that have stopped these people from stepping into your presence. Lord, thank you today for the wonderful gift of love that you are washing over each and every one of these hearts that have responded to you. So Lord, do a deep work. Holy Spirit, do a deep work in every one of these lives today. We ask in Jesus' name.